morning. Please pray with me before we study our text together. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. That the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Do this for Christ's sake and in his name. Amen. Please open up your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 1. Verses 19 through 25. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. In order to help us understand our text today, I want to remind you of Jesus' words in the Gospel of John. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Based on this statement, the Puritans used to say that every true sheep, every true believer, has two marks. The mark of the ear and the mark of the foot. The mark of the ear signifies a believer's reception to the word of God, and the mark of the foot signifies his response to the word of God and obedience. In other words, every true believer in Jesus Christ is characterized by hearing the word of God and heeding or doing the word of God. As we read through James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25, I want you to look for these two marks in this passage. Let's start reading this text together, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Because of the richness of this passage, I'm going to cover it in two parts. Today, we will look at the mark of the ear, and then the next time I preach, we will cover the mark of the foot. The first mark of the new birth that we will look at together this morning is found in verses 19 through 21. It is the mark of the ear, hearing 
the word of God. As believers in Jesus Christ, those who have been born again by God's word, we are not only characterized by hearing God's word, but we are also commanded to listen to it. Notice again what James says in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. James is calling for his readers to develop better listening skills. But this is not a call simply to become better listeners of other people in general, though we could all certainly improve at that. Rather, this is a call to become better listeners of God's word in particular. I want you to note with me the emphasis on God's word in this section. In verse 18, Scripture is called the word of truth. It is called the implanted word in verse 21. In verses 22 and 23, it's simply called the word. In verse 25, James labels it the perfect law. And again, in verse 25, God's word is called the law of liberty. As James sees it, the word of God is the instrument that first brings new life to spiritually dead sinners. But this same word also sustains the lives of believers as they receive it and listen to what it says. One of the main evidences that a person has been born again is a receptivity to the Word of God. I know that this is the reason why the people of this church gather in this room every Sunday. It's because there are genuine sheep present in this congregation, those who eagerly desire to listen to the call of the Good Shepherd. Those outside of the church simply cannot understand our desire to listen to the voice of God in Scripture. Some may think it's boring, while others think it's bizarre to gather each week and sit and listen to the words of some ancient book. And frankly, we live in the midst of a culture and a time in history when many people do not want to hear what God says in his word. You name the issue, whether it is what God says about the value of human life, or what he says about the boundaries and sanctity of marriage, or what God says about the divinely established differences between men and women, the world does not and cannot stand to hear the word of God. But we gather each week because we not only love the God who has revealed himself in Scripture, but because we also love the Scripture that he has inspired and given to us. Listening to his word is a sign that we are his people. But if we're honest with ourselves, even though we all genuinely desire to listen to his word as it speaks into our lives, there are times when it becomes difficult to actually hear what he is saying to us. How many of you know that you can be listening to a person talk without actually hearing what they are saying? 
Some of you are doing that right now. Sadly, there's been plenty of times in my marriage, my wife Allison, where she's been telling me about her day, and I start out listening to her talk, and then I get a thought in my head, and I start chasing that, and a couple minutes later, I don't even hear anything that she's saying to me. There's been a few times when she's looked at me and said, honey, are you even listening to me? If we all have room to improve our listening skills, then how can we do this in regard to God's Word? How can we become better listeners of the Word of God? James gives us several practical ways to do this. The first one, which I've already briefly touched upon, is perhaps the most obvious, and it's found in the first part of verse 19. We need to open our ears. He plainly says in verse 19, let every person be quick to hear. James tells us to be quick, fast, swift to listen to God speak. We're not to be dragging our feet and delaying hearing what he says. The idea here is that we should be eager to listen to him. We should make hearing the word of God a priority. What this looks like practically is multifaceted. For one thing, I think the most natural way to prioritize the Word of God in our lives is to intentionally and regularly make it a point to meet with God's people on Sunday mornings when the Word of God is publicly proclaimed. The importance of being committed to a local church simply cannot be overstated. Obviously, there are times when we are all pulled away for various reasons. Sometimes it's illness, sometimes it's, it's work obligations, sometimes it's vacation and travel. I understand all of that. But we need to make sure, as a general rule of thumb, that we are consistently meeting with God's people and sitting under the preaching and teaching of His Word. We need to be quick to hear the word of God proclaimed publicly and slow to allow other things, many of them which may even be good things, to take the place of the priority of our Sunday morning gatherings. I'm convinced that one of the main reasons that I have such a love for the local church and for biblical preaching is because my dad, when I was growing up, instilled into me the importance of being committed to meeting with God's people on a regular basis. From the time I was a little boy, my parents brought me to church with them. Whenever the doors were open, my mom and dad, my three sisters and I were at church. It was just the way that it was. On top of this, I remember distinctly how much joy my dad had in going to church. It was not a burden to him. He did not dread going. He delighted in going. And seeing his delight in attending church and hearing the word of God preached affected me deeply, even as a young boy. And today, my dad's great legacy is seen in that all of his children, my three sisters and I, value and prioritize the commitment 
to the local church and the public proclamation of the word of God. He was quick to open his ears and hear the word of truth. There are certainly other ways that we can make hearing God's word a priority in our lives, but regularly hearing from God on Sunday mornings is one of the best places to start. I mean, we can, we can more eagerly hear him by joining a small group and taking the time to meet with those church members and talk about the sermon and find out ways that it applies to our lives throughout the week. In all of these ways, we are opening up our ears so that we can quickly hear what God the Holy Spirit is saying in his word. James gives us another helpful step to improving our listening skills, and it is found in the middle of verse 19. Not only do we need to open our ears, but we also need to close our mouths. James says, let every person be slow to speak. This means that we need to allow God's word to have priority over our words. It has been well said that God gave us two ears and one mouth because he wants us to listen twice as much as we talk. In fact, the book of Proverbs is replete with commands to keep our mouths closed and avoid chattering on and on and on so that we avoid folly. But here, James is focusing on how what we say affects how we hear God's word. When we are listening to God speak in his word, we need to put our hand over our mouth and be quiet. I remember one of my seminary classes, there was a student, he was about my age, maybe a little older, who always raised his hand uh, during the lectures and, and would spout off his opinions about what we were studying. Sometimes he would try to phrase his opinion in the form of a question but it eventually came out into a long, convoluted, sometimes even bizarre theological opinion. I mean, this would happen almost every class period. After a while, whenever he raised his hand, you could just see the other students looking around at each other, bracing themselves for what was about to come out of his mouth. <laughs> even the professor was, was slow to call upon him. He just wasn't quite sure what to do when he raised his hand. He would ignore him as long as possible until he eventually let him talk. Sadly, that student thought it was better to spout off his own opinion than hold his tongue and listen to God's word being taught by an older and wiser professor. I'm not saying that there's never a time for us to speak or give our opinion. After all, James does not say that we should never speak. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7 says that there is a time to keep silence and a time to speak. But we should be more eager to hear what God says in his word than to hear what we say with our words. Again, there are so many ways that this applies to our lives. Almost every time I log into Facebook, I'm amazed at how quick people are to air their opinion about some current event or situation that's going on in the world. 
seems like many people do not even give a second's thought to what they type before they hit the enter key and broadcast their opinion before the world. Think about how often people have to apologize for their tweets or Facebook posts. How many controversies would be avoided if the person had just not said anything? I am often tempted to weigh in online on these debates. Every time I log in, I see something that I just want to comment on. But thankfully, I end up restraining myself at the last minute. After I take a few minutes to think about whether I should, or should speak up or not, I, I usually realize that it's, it's best if I just stay out of the debate. And most times, I'm glad that I refrained from speaking. What about you? Are you slow to give your opinion about some, so, some issue on social media, or, uh, taking the necessary time to think about what you say before you say it? What about when someone asks you for counsel? You take the time to pray, to study God's word before you give them your advice? A third way that we can improve our ability to hear the word of God is seen in verses 19 through 20. We need to curb our anger. Notice the end of verse 19. James says that every person should be slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Another impediment to hearing the word of God is sinful anger. As sinners, we are sometimes confronted by God's word, and our initial reaction is to become angry. Rather than being slow to anger, we are quick-tempered and short-fused. Maybe it is when we, we hear a scriptural truth or doctrine that we do not agree with. Or, or maybe it's when God the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, is stepping on our toes about some sin in our lives. And our initial reaction is to become angry. Of course, not all anger is sinful. The Lord Jesus Christ himself became angry when he saw the temple being abused and misused by the religious leaders in John chapter 2. So great was his anger that John tells us that he actually made a whip out of cords and went in and cleared out the corrupt money changers. Theologians have called the anger that Jesus exhibited righteous indignation because he did not sin when he was angry. His anger was born out of his holy and righteous nature, and it was exercised against anything that was contrary to God's word. But the kind of anger that James talks about here is clearly sinful anger because he says, specifically in verse 20, it does not achieve what? The righteousness of God. In other words, it displeases him. It's anger that's characterized as unrighteous. A good illustration of this that I thought about um, is seen in uh, Genesis chapter 4, in the story of Cain and Abel. You remember the story? After Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning, they had two sons, Cain and Abel. 
And eventually these boys grew up and, and learned to bring offerings to God in order to worship him. One time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. But Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And God accepted Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Sadly, Cain's reaction to this was to become sinfully angry. Genesis 4 verse 5 says that Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then God said to him, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. And rather than listen to what God had said, you know what happened. Cain became angry and rose up against his brother Abel and murdered him. The word of God came to him. And rather than be slow to anger, Cain was quick to anger and he did not achieve the righteousness of God. But in fact, he achieved the exact opposite, the sinfulness of man. And this can happen to you and me as well if we're not careful. Obviously, our anger does not have to end up turning into murder, thankfully. But it can nonetheless be just as sinful. What is your initial reaction to God's word? Is it to listen and remain calm? Or is it to instantly put your defenses up like a porcupine with its quills and angrily attempt to justify your behavior? What about when your spouse confronts you about that repeated sin issue? Young people, what about when your mom or dad asks you to clean your room, to put your things away, is your first reaction to quietly obey them or to angrily complain about it? How do you respond when you're confronted by a fellow church member about some sin pattern or something that you said? Maybe it was the way that you said something. Maybe you said the right thing, but in the wrong way. You were harsh or demeaning, or prideful. And then you're confronted by another church member. How do you respond? Are you quick to become angry or slow? Granted, in each of these cases, I think sin can be present on both ends. Sometimes we can just as easily sin when we are confronting someone about their sin as when we are confronted by someone else about our own sin. But there are perfectly legitimate times in life when someone does confront us with the truth of God's word, and they do it in a loving and gentle way. And it's these times that I'm talking about. Our reaction to God's word reveals a lot about our own hearts and whether or not We've been branded 
as the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. The mark of the ear is seen not only in how we listen, but also in when we speak and how we respond to what God says to us. There's a final step to gaining better listening skills in regards to God's word, and it's found in verse 21. Not only do we need to open our ears, close our mouths, and curb our anger, but finally, we also need to swallow our pride. James says, therefore, in light of everything I've said this far, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I will have more to say about the first part of this verse the next time I preach, but for now I want to draw your attention to the phrase in the second half that we should receive with meekness the implanted word. To receive the word with meekness is to receive it with humility. It's, it's to welcome it with lowliness. When God's word comes to us, whether it's from a spouse, from the pulpit on Sundays, from a friend or loved one, then we should not pridefully reject what it says. We should not assume that we know more than God knows about our lives. One time, when I was a little boy, I was throwing rocks at the barn that was on my property. I used to do this a lot because I thought it was so much fun hearing the rocks hit the metal wall. And, and the barn had a, had a door on one side of it with a glass window. As I was thoughtlessly hurling rocks at the side of the wall one day, my dad came up to me and said, now Luke, listen to me. I don't want you to throw rocks at the barn anymore because it's only a matter of time before you're going to miss the wall and end up hitting the glass in the door. In my pride, I assumed that I knew more than my dad did. I just shook my head, acted like I heard what he said, and waited for him to walk away. And I picked up more rocks, and I just kept throwing them. I kid you not, it must have been two or three throws, but I, I, the, the inevitable happened. I threw the rock, and it took a sharp right turn and went straight <laughs> into the barn door window. And I looked right, and I looked left, I took off running, and I hid. And as you can imagine, the next day my dad saw what happened, and I was called to account. But because I assumed that I knew more than my dad did, I disregarded what he said and ended up disobeying. How sad that sometimes we can do the same thing when God speaks to us. Because we pridefully assume that we know better than God does, we end up failing to listen to what he says. How about you? Is pride keeping you from hearing the word of God? Someone has wisely said, pride is the only poison that is good to swallow. And when it comes to listening to the word of God, not swallowing the poison of pride can be eternally lethal.
In order to really hear God's word and demonstrate that we are marked as the sheep of Christ, we must open our ears, close our mouths, curb our anger, and swallow our pride. At the end of verse 21, James says that we should receive the implanted word which is able to save our souls. His mentioning of the implanted word is a reference to the new covenant recorded in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. I encourage you to read that that text later. God promised his people that, that one day, through the person and work of the Messiah, he would completely forgive their sins and cause them to know him. He also said that he would put his law in their minds and write it on their hearts. In other words, he promised that he would one day implant his word in their hearts. And when Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, the one who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for sinful people, and rose again to new life, he brought about the forgiveness of sins for God's people. And through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fulfilled his new covenant promises to his people. The Holy Spirit has regenerated the hearts of all those who believe by performing an open heart surgery on them. He's removed their heart of stone and transplanted into them a new heart of flesh. And then he implanted into them the word of truth. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you can be confident that this has happened to you. We, who used to be lost goats, have now been transformed into Christ's sheep and have been branded on our ears with the ability to hear the word of God. Martin Luther, the great Reformation leader of the 1500s, once said, the ears alone are the organ of the Christian. In this body metaphor, Luther reinforces what we've seen today. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are those who are characterized by hearing the word of God as we passively hear it proclaimed to us. But we are also commanded to hear it by actively removing any obstacles that stand between us and the proper reception of it. This is the first mark of Christ's sheep, that we hear his voice in Scripture. Do you open your ears to hear his word? Do you close your mouth when he speaks? Do you curb your anger when he says something to you that you need to hear? Do you swallow your pride when he tells you to do something? Let's pray. Father, your word says, if any man has ears, let him hear. The Spirit speaks to the church. And I pray that there are many here who hear and receive and obey your word. Pray for this in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, I want to invite the servers forward. As we come now to the table of the Lord,